Hey, my friend, it's Julie Clough here, your life and grief coach. Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast. I'm thrilled to bring you uplifting grief support and hope for rebuilding your life one step at a time. Let's get started. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 124, Reframing Your Experiences. So I just got back from a little town in Utah in southern South, I guess, East Utah called Moab. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you haven't, but it's, it's almost like a foreign country. If you went on Instagram, you, you'll see my post with some pictures. It's like the red rock and the arches. It was, we went to Arches National Park and, um, it was really fun. We did some hiking. We did some jeeping, which was basically renting these Jeeps that are specially equipped to climb the rocks. (laughs) Seriously, we climbed rocks and we went down these really rocky paths. And, and we did that for a good part of a day, like most of the day, one day that we were there. Um, and we did some hot tubbing and the, I want to tell you about the hiking there because I, you've, you've heard me share before that, you know, I got sick last summer and I've, I've had some lingering health things, but I've been really working on it. And I've, I've done, I've made a lot of changes and I'm feeling really good. And I've been exercising every day, but I still feel like I'm not, (laughs) I'm not quite where I want to be, which I guess is, you know, kind of typical. We can always see the area of improvement that we could have, but when I went hiking, we hiked up to Delicate Arch. You can look that up online. I don't think I posted a picture of that arch. I should post a picture of that. But anyway, we, we, um, we hiked up to the Delicate Arch, which is a steep hike. It's a, it's a moderate hike. It's not an easy one and it's not super, super hard. It's not super dangerous. Although at one point we were on like a five foot ledge with a sheer drop off on one side and a rock wall on the other side. But it, it felt pretty safe compared to some others that I've been on. What happened was I got, you know, I got up there with, with the family and then we hiked back down and the next day I wasn't sore. And the next day I wasn't sore and the next, and I thought the work that I'm doing is working (laughs) because I would have been so sore just six months ago, because, because when I got sick, I really didn't do a lot of physical activity for a while. And that, you know, we, we did, we go backwards when we don't, when we don't do the work, we go backwards. So (laughs) I, I felt really good about that. I felt really good about doing the hike and, and, and not being sore felt really good and pretty amazing and pretty shocking actually. So super fun, super, we just had a great time. I have you ever heard the story uh, of the blind men and the elephant? There's a little poem of this little um, story that was written by John Godfrey Sax Sax S A X E Sexy. Anyway, he wrote it many 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 years ago, and I, I wanted to share that with you today because it has to do with our topic. And if you've heard this story before, this will be familiar. 
It was six men of Indostan to learning much inclined who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. The first approached the elephant and happening to fall against his broad and sturdy side at once began to bawl. God bless me, but the elephant is very like a wall. The second feeling of the tusk cried, ho, what have we here? So very round and smooth and sharp to me, tis mighty clear. This wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. The third approached the animal and happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, thus boldly up and spake. I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a snake. The fourth reached out his eager hand and felt about the knee. What most this wondrous beast is like is mighty plain, quoth he. Tis clear enough the elephant is very like a tree. The fifth, who chanced to touch the ear, said, Even the blind man can tell what this resembles most. Deny the fact who can. This marvel of an elephant is very like a fan. The sixth no sooner had begun about the beast to grope than seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope. I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a rope. And so these men of Indostan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion, exceeding stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right and all were in the wrong. Don't you love that? I love that story. I remember it from, I probably learned it as a kid, actually. I'm thinking that's, that's probably what happened as I learned it as a kid. But perspective is everything, isn't it? Perspective, that's what this poem really illustrates is that six different people can look at one thing and get a totally different perspective based on what they're looking at what their sights are set on. In this case, what these men were feeling as blind men. My perspective is different than yours. Yours is different than mine. And every person has a different perspective, which also means that we can change our perspective and change our experience by changing our our perspective. Just imagine if those blind men had traded places and they had felt different parts, it would have changed their perspective. Because I have the perspective of grief and healing, I'm like the sighted person who is seeing the elephant for what it is, and I'm over here saying, it's an elephant. (laughs) It's not a rope. It's not a fan. It's not a wall. It's an elephant. But grief is hard, like really, really hard. It's unknown, uncharted territory, and your grief territory is unique to you. Everybody's grief territory looks different. Think about going into a strange land. The territory of the land is different and everybody's grief territory is unique. Although there's a lot of similarity, that's why I've developed steps to help you to navigate your personal grief territory. Some losses bring a little grief, but some bring big grief but every grief experience demands attention. When you don't give it attention, when the next thing happens, the grief compounds with the previous grief. It doesn't go away. It just compounds with the previous grief if we don't give attention to the grief as it comes. When you learn to reframe your experience, you can gain new perspective. 
that can help you work through your pain to true healing. True healing does not happen without new perspective. It can't. It's the reason post-traumatic growth exists. Post-traumatic growth is the result of reframing, of new learning, and of new perspective. Healing requires growth. Just like a plant, growth requires attention and correct nutrients. With attention and good information, you can reframe your experience and work towards the growth of healing. I was, I, I had an appointment with uh, one of my clients today, in fact, and, and she was talking about going back and rereading some things that she'd written many years ago and how her perspective has changed and how she has more compassion now towards her younger self after gaining new perspective through the work that she's done in my program. She's been able to reframe so many of her experiences and she's still working on reframing some other experiences. And and that's, that's how we learn and grow. We learn and grow through these different experiences that we have. So I'm amazed at how learning a new concept or a new idea can change our perspective and reframe our experience and change how we think which changes how we feel, which changes how we act. Now, I'm not a therapist, but general psychology teaches us many tools that can help us in our day-to-day life. In fact, they teach us the, the principle of this triad of think, feel, and act. And as if we really understand that principle of think, feel, and act, we, we can use it to our advantage in our day-to-day life. It doesn't have to be used just when something horrible happens or if we're in mental distress. But I don't look at grief as a mental ailment or a disease. Grief is a fact of life. Grief is a fact of life that everybody experiences. It's an extremely common fact of life. In fact, I think we should say only thing that's certain, you know, we say the only thing that's certain is taxes and, and death. Well, the only thing that's certain is taxes, grief and death. We must get better at it. In order to get better at it, we must learn about it. We learn how to deal with our own grief and we practice the tools. You can't positive your way out of grief. You, you probably have people, you know, saying, just look on the bright side. And there's a place for that, for sure. Like we, we kind of the way I look at it is, it's like, we don't just live in the grief box and then one day jump from the grief box to the happy box. It's not the way it works. We, we live in a complex world and a complex mind and complex existence where where we experience a lot of different emotions throughout the day, but grief can become kind of our primary emotion for a while when something really hard happens. And then we, we start to incorporate more happiness and there's a, um, there's a, can you hear my dog barking in the background? I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know what she's upset about, but we're just going to keep going. So, um, Yeah, we don't, we're not going to just jump from the grief box, like living in the grief box to living in the happy box. It's, it's learning how to incorporate the happy moments within our grief and moving slow, slowly through 
till we, we, um, are more dominant emotions are positive emotions instead of so much hard, heavy emotions, but you can't sad your way out of grief either. You know, we hear feel to deal and it's a thing, but it doesn't end there. And most of the time people are so disconnected from their emotions that they don't even know how to feel. It's kind of the way we don't listen to our bodies in general. We have been conditioned to ignore the signals from our body. We don't have real hunger pains anymore because we're so overwhelmed with cravings from fake foods. We don't feel our emotions anymore because we were so trained to shove them down and act like we don't have emotions so we can appear okay or normal. But in fact, it's not, that's not normal. <laughs> we're just perfectly okay all the time. And that's, that's not normal. Think about it. We are so afraid of emotions that when someone gets emotional, we might say, or we might hear someone say they're a drama queen or histrionic or whatever, exaggerated, which makes us even more afraid of our emotions because we don't want to appear that there's something wrong with us. When I was grieving, I experienced this too. I did not know how to show up. It was just hard. Like I, I didn't know if I was supposed to look sad or if I was supposed to put on a happy face or I just felt so much confusion inside of me. Instead of really allowing myself to feel what I was feeling at the time, I was, it was like I had to manipulate how I showed up. I think it's one of the reasons it's hard to be around other people when we're grieving because we don't know what's acceptable. And when I say acceptable, I'm like, <laughs> that I'm putting it in air quotes because is there an acceptable way to grow up, to show up in grief? People are not used to real emotions. So we get uncomfortable sharing our real emotions because we feel like other people are uncomfortable with it. And here's the thing. Negative emotions are toxic in the body. So it's a catch 22. It's a major reason why it's so vital to learn about grief and learn to work through the grief to healing. Not a fake, I've hid my grief to appear normal, not that kind of healing, but real healing that takes time and effort and real information and correct steps and correct processes it's going to look a little different for each person, but it's so important because what goes on in our mind and our heart affects our body. The aches and the pain that we experience, the even the diseases that we experience sometimes can be triggered by grief, by sadness, by hard emotions. Now, I'm not saying that to get you even more concerned. You know, I remember years ago, years and years ago, it was after my brother had died by suicide. It was, I think it was after my divorce even. Um, so all, all this kind of happened in a very short period of time. My brother died and, and I went through a divorce. And, and when my brother died, like that was the first time I experienced uh, the grief that was really seen as grief. Now looking back, I know that I had other grief experiences, like when my, um, when I had health problems in college that, that created, 
you know, so much havoc, you know, that was a grief experience. I lost my health as a young person. And I, I, um, I had to leave school, all, all this, all this stuff happened, but I didn't even see that as a grief experience. I didn't even know that that was grief. And then when my brother died, then all those things just kind of continued to compound. And then I went through a divorce and, and I was trying my best to, to work through all these things, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I I had no idea what I was doing. And there were some things that I did. And I look back and I go, Oh yeah, that was good. That was helpful. And then there was other things that I did that weren't helpful. And there were things that I did that were helpful that I looked at as not good because I needed to show up a certain way, which is just inaccurate. Anyway, when I was experiencing all this and I had gone to this, this class and they did the, um, uh, what is that life events thing? I can't remember the name of it right now off the top of my head, but where you, you rate your experiences and you give it points. Like these are stress experiences, you know, like death or divorce or health or, um, relationship things, or, you know, all these different, there's like 40 something different life events that cause stress. And so they have you add all that up. Well, I remember doing that little grid and, and adding up my points and my points added up to over 900. Yes, 900. Now here's the thing. Then the teacher said, after we'd gone through this whole, you know, grid and we'd added up her points, then she said, if you're over 300 points, you're likely to experience health problems because of the amount of stress you're carrying. <laughs> then my stress went even higher because, because I heard that. So it's being aware. It really is being aware that we can't stay in grief long term without it not affecting us physically. It's going to affect us physically during the process. But when we work with the grief and we work through the grief and we work towards healing, then our body's going to come along for the ride and it's going to heal as well. Like, you know, we, we talk about heartache. We talk about our heart breaking. You know, we, we talk about it in physical terms and there's a reason we talk about it in physical terms. The steps, the process, of, of healing helps you to reframe your experience. It's the reason I'm able to talk about this today because I've done the work of healing. Am I perfect? No, I'm human. I'm human who still has emotions, who still has experiences that are hard sometimes, still dealing with things, but I'm so grateful for all the tools and the information that I've collected that have, that help me to reframe my experience that help me to work through them in a more effective, efficient, healthful way. I can talk about the hard stuff in life, suicide, death, divorce, illness, estrangement, you name it. I've been through so much of it. And if I hadn't done this work, I would not be able to talk about it. I certainly would not be able to talk about it to audiences of strangers on podcasts and radio and TV. 
when you learn about grief, when you start to truly change your view of your experience, which is vital to healing, when you get that broader, greater understanding, it changes everything. Chances are you can remember some reframing moments, even listening to this podcast each week. Now take that and times it times 10 or a hundred, and that's what coaching could do for you. What if the blind men in the verse were able to touch every part of the elephant? How would their perspective change? How would they reframe their experience? What would be different? What thinking do you need to reframe? How can you look at things differently? This is not easy on our own. When I go to a new area, I get a guide. Sometimes that guide is a map. Sometimes it's a person to help me have a better, broader, more fulfilling experience. But without a guide, I'm lost. I'm wandering around like the blind men bumping against the elephant. Imagine, I want you to really imagine this. I want you to imagine moving to a new city. Think about the last time you moved to a new city. You don't know anyone, you don't know the roads, you don't know where the gas station is or where the grocery stores or the churches. You don't even know how to get to work. Now imagine that you can't ask someone for a recommendation for a good doctor or a dentist in your new town. Imagine that you can't look at a map. You can't connect to anyone or anything that could help guide you. Just imagine that. How long would it take you to learn your way around completely on your own? I want you to calculate it. Really think about it. Is it weeks, months, years? A long, long time. We moved to Dallas, Texas from Florida several years ago before GPS. (laughs) And my husband, Ron, we we flew into Dallas and we were staying in this uh, little apartment that his work had put him in. And then we were there. I was there for the weekend. We were looking for where we were going to live. And, um, he, he took out this little pad of paper, you know, those little teeny tiny pads of paper that, that you get the like at a hotel. And he had lived in Dallas before. That's where he'd gone to high school. That's where, you know, he, played football in high school in this, this town. And then he went on to, to play football for Texas tech. And anyway, he was familiar with the town. Um, it had changed since he'd been there last, but, but he was pretty familiar and his brother actually lived in the area. So on this little piece of paper, he drew me a map (laughs) of how to get from where we were to the town that we were going to be looking for a house. And, and it was so convoluted. I think he used like three of these little pieces of paper, these little three by three squares of paper to draw this map. And it was almost like not having a map. It was so convoluted and confusing, but he, you know, he tried to draw it out and explain to me how to get from where I was to where I was going. That was like 30 minutes away. And even though I laugh about it today and I wish I still had that drawing because it was so bad, even though it was the instructions made no sense to me and it was scribbled on these little pieces of paper. And I was trying to navigate these highways with these pieces of paper. It was still better than no guide or no map or having nothing at all. This is, this is why I coach people in grief. 
I had to put the pieces together and gather the ingredients and figure it all out. And it was hard. I mean, I had some great guides along the way and some good books, but there wasn't a specific grief program to help me learn and navigate grief. There certainly wasn't something that would teach me a skill that I could use throughout my life. It was like there's a little over here and a little over there. And if I keep searching, I could find the next little piece, but it takes forever that way. Just like moving to a new town with no, not being able to talk to anybody or get a map or anything. It took me forever to put the pieces together and to really fully understand that true healing was possible and that I could still live this amazing life despite the trials and the heartache. In fact, that healing was not only good for my happiness, but it was great for my health. When we leave all that buried deep inside us, it creates havoc in our body. And it's crucial that we learn to deal with painful emotions. The program that I offer is amazing and it's not found anywhere else. Every week I'm working with people and they're experiencing breakthroughs because of what they are learning and applying in their own life. Now is the time to do this work. You can't afford to put it off. You are in danger of crashing physically, mentally, emotionally, if you don't learn to work through the grief instead of stuffing it down. This world is hard. There's a lot of turmoil. Everyone is going to experience grief. You can't sit and just hope things get better for you. You've got to do something. And now is the time. I can't afford to be subtle about this anymore. It's too important. Go to buildalifeafterloss.com slash talk. There you're going to see a link that says click here to schedule a call. This first call is totally free. Click the button, pick a good time for us to talk. You don't need to be nervous. I've been where you are. I get how hard life can be. All you need to bring to the call is yourself. I've got you. This is not hard. I'll ask you some simple questions that you know the answers to. Like what happened? What have you done so far? What's helped? What hasn't? You know the answers to these things. Then we'll talk about my program and if it's right for you. And if it is, we'll talk about how it will benefit you specifically, not someone else, you in your circumstances. I don't care if your loss was a week ago or 10 years ago. I can help. I know I can help. I've helped lots of people and I know what works and I know what doesn't work. Go to buildalifeafterloss.com slash talk right now and let's talk soon. I look forward to meeting you. We'll have a great conversation. And chances are that this one conversation will bring so much peace to you as it has to so many others. Have a wonderful week. Remember, I believe in you. I love you. Bye.